0: Hello and welcome to Think Business Futures. I'm your host, Stefan Posthumer, coming to you from two SER studios in Sydney on the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, broadcast right around Australia on the Community Radio Network and around the world wherever you get your podcasts. Each week, we take a closer look at the business issues making up the news. This program is made possible by the assistance of the UTS Business School. The COVID-19 pandemic has undoubtedly altered the way we consume. Behaviours that began out of necessity have taken root and have changed the what, where, when and how we shop. Online meeting tools, subscription services and click and collect are all a product of this new environment and are well and truly here to stay. This change in our consumer behaviours also presents a huge opportunity for businesses. With a customer-focused approach, companies now have the ability to alter their product or their target market to capitalise on this monumental shift. On today's show, we discuss how COVID has affected consumer behavior, the types of opportunities this presents for business, and how they can best alter their approach to make the most of this new consumer environment. To tell us more, I'm joined in the studio by Ofer Mintz, Associate Head of the UTS Business Schools Marketing Department, and the author of the Post-Pandemic Business Playbook, Customer-Centric Solutions to Help Your Firm Grow. Ofer, welcome to Think Business Futures. Thanks for having me. Now it seems pretty obvious that a global pandemic would affect the global economy, but let's set a bit of context. Tell us about the economic crisis caused by COVID and why it's occurred. Right. So, I mean, that's a, it's a difficult question, but let me kind of summarize it in a, in a couple of ways. And
1: one is, you know, basically COVID scared all of us, right? We were all kind of freaked out, had health concerns that we haven't had in years. And what happened was these health concerns changed our customer behavior. In modern times, right? We we basically purchase in similar patterns over time. Okay, so we're very constant, very similar. For most most of our purchases are similar. Okay, and what happened was we all got a little health concerned, and it sh- put put a shock on what we, we what we valued, what we purchased, and changed the traditional supply and demand in the market. Right, and then on top of that, there was the financial issues which you know rolled in a couple like a month or so later. And that also had extra implications. And now that we are reaching this post-pandemic, or near, hopefully near the end of the pandemic, right? Our behavior has changed, and with that, again, it shocked the system, and so therefore
0: it created this recession and made it a very strange recovery as well. Okay. Well, I mean, where have we seen some of the biggest impacts, like in terms of the economy? You know, what are some of the industries, and maybe beginning with some of the some of the things that have changed in terms of consumer behavior?
1: Here's what changed: what you bought. Who you bought it from? Where you bought it? How you bought it? And why you bought it? Okay, and getting into all these, right? The who is, right? You started purchasing different products than you've ever purchased before. So for people, you know, for us as everyday consumers, we started buying all these health products we never purchased before: masks, hand sanitizer, etc., and all these random other like board games, butter turning kits that we've never (laughs) thought of before. Jigsaw puzzles, right? Businesses started investing a lot in IT IT support that they never used before, right? So that's the who. The what is we started trading where we made our purchases, right? One of the main things is we started buying local, for example, right? And so you you might have upscaled in terms of food. So I, for example, went to a local butcher and started realizing this is great. This is great products. Why would I ever go away from this, right? The where changed, right? I'm no longer going into the office as much. So all those shops that we used to shop in the way, they kind of, they suffered from that, right? Trade shows for businesses had suffered because they used to be the predominant way of purchasing, Okay, When you bought it changed. So most of us were working from home, the WFH lifestyle. So it changed when you bought stuff. No longer were you are you restricted as a customer to purchase at night. You started purchasing throughout the day because you're at home. You're like, hey, I can just take a quick break and buy it. And businesses on the other hand started changing it from being predominantly that nine to five People were at home, so they started making purchases from other businesses late at night as well because they started working a little later. Okay, Then you get into how you purchased, right? And the how changed because now you're purchasing many more things online. So before you were used to going to a lot of stores, and now the, the purchase rate of online just shot up because we were scared to go to the stores, and we got used to the, the, the online purchases. And not just that. When you go into stores now, it's interesting to watch people and yourself just think about when you go in, It's not the same as it was before. You're basically going in and out. You have predetermined, I'm going to buy these five things. It's kind of a mental clock. You're racing. You go fast, fast, fast. Yes, you might enjoy it still. I think, oh, I like this here and there. But you're not lingering. You're not loitering like you used to be and kind of perusing around. So that changed. And the last is the why. Okay, And this is really the fundamental thing. And it goes that shift to desire or fundamental needs that we were safety, right? We were concerned. And so, most of our purchases for about two years were about satisfying our core comfort desires for for safety, which was complete opposite than before, where we mostly focused on hedonic enjoyment of products. Okay, that changed our mindset and changed how we purchase. So, in terms of everyday purchases, you started looking at things for like value, right? So, not just comfort, but did it, it provide me direct value? And that can be monetary value, but it could also be just comfort, psychological value. And as we're emerging again from the two-year pandemic, and you know, hopefully not lingering, continuing on, what you're seeing is that customers are basically creatures of habit. Okay? So in essence, once you start having this dramatic shift and change, and then people got used to it, it's not going to be a radical flip back. Okay? So we're still focusing mostly on our fundamental desires, like fo- fulfilling our fundamental desires, but with the occasional purchase. For example, I went to Fiji and paid more than I would have ever before. Mm-hmm. right? Things like that. So you do have these occasional, but for the most part, we're still purchasing basically the same Uh, as we were during the pandemic that same mindset
0: okay and so I mean I want to sort of dig deeper a little bit here like if we use the example of the butcher like like you gave I mean at the beginning of the pandemic panic buying occurred people bought from the butcher through necessity because there was no meat on the supermarket shelves people might have got involved in their local farmers markets we talk about you know purchasing local and A lot of the time, these sorts of decisions were out of necessity. I mean, supermarkets are are, are big machines with a lot of money and a lot of ways to draw customers back following the pandemic. How do we see these behaviors find a resting place? Obviously, we are emerging from the pandemic, but through your research and, and through your book, how can we predict where the resting place will be and Which of these behaviors that began by necessity will remain when we find ourselves in a COVID normal world where we are not focused on new variants, we are not focused on case numbers, we are not focused on mask wearing, social distancing and those sorts of things that are still a part of society now? Yes, it's a great question. And so, you know, it's hard to to nail down precisely, but what you can think about, is not going to be
1: what it was and it's not going to be how it was, like pre-COVID, and it's not going to be how it was during COVID. Meaning, you know, we've kind of stopped that panic buying already. So Mm -hmm. we've all bought random things. I searched around for nappies for my kid and went to four different chemists, you know, locations for for where could I purchase this, right? We're not doing those freak outs. And and a lot of us have come back to grocery stores, for example, and even myself, I would include it, and I never really went away. It was just a different way. And so what what ends up happening is it ends up being somewhere in the middle, okay? And some of these behaviors, we – enjoy. Okay. So for example, just to work from home and why this is important to businesses is, you know, a lot of businesses. So in my book, we talk, I I talk about Preda Manager, the, you know, the British Mm -hmm. uh, coffee and and, uh, sandwich sandwich place. place, Yeah, And they (laughs) used to have a mantra that was called follow the skyscrapers. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they built their their shops everywhere inside all the CBDs and everywhere people were in transit. Well, what happened during the pandemic is a lot of people are enjoying working from home. Mm. So they see less need to go into the city, right? And that's going to go back and forth. There'll be more people coming in. But because of the, what, uh, the purpose is that you can't be a passive a company, right? So Preda managers decided, hey, we can't follow skyscraper. We need to follow the customers. Okay, so then they started implementing, we're going to do- sell directly to customers. So, for example, we can give them subscription service, unlimited coffee. We'll do deliveries. And so basically as a, as a business, what you need to think about is where are your customers going? Okay, not where they've been it's great to know where they've been and to better understand it but you really need to adapt or else you're going to be left behind okay and so that, that's kind of the main way of thinking about it so really start talking to your customers start identifying them try to figure out the trends that they're doing and that that's kind of the the,
0: the ideal path so let's let's talk about the opportunities for for business then you just you just gave an example of you know what Preda manger did in Britain and in Europe, you know, pivoting their business model and and changing things. Now, you sort of identify that the consumer behaviours, their changes uh, following the COVID pandemic or in this point are... Uh, Present an opportunity that is sort of unlike something we've we've not yet seen. Um, tell us a bit about some of the oppor- opportunities available to businesses now.
1: Okay, yeah, so great point. And so what you can think about, the last years have been terrible, right? Undoubtedly terrible for most people. the health effects have been you know beyond tragic, and I, we don't want to downplay that. But for where we are now, it's it really is an opportunity unlike ever before. And why is that? Well, your customers have changed. Okay, customers who've never considered your product, your brand, your type of, uh, of different, different class of products are now all of a sudden considering, okay? Businesses are considering startups to partner with because they're trying to find solutions to this change customer behavior. So it's an opportunity unlike ever before because in terms of stats, 75% of customers have tried new products new, from new brands in the last two years, which is unheard of before. So this provides an opportunity like no one's ever seen. Okay. So, so, okay. So that, that provides some inspiration. So what's happening also kind of underlying economic effects have been as well, if you think about kind of just as uh, as customer groups in terms of demand. So some businesses have had decreased customer demand in the last two years. Okay. And now that we're kind of emerging, they're still decreased. So a lot of pop, mom and pop shops mm. are facing a kind of a tough situation. Okay. Because this demand is, is, has gone down. Other companies uh, are facing a little bit higher demand, but they were down during the last two years. So think about, like, the travel industry. Right? Mm-hmm. So still not where they are uh, beforehand, but they're, they're starting to increase. Then we have companies that were doing well during COVID, but now they're freaked out that the demand stopped. So, for example, toy companies, mm-hmm. okay? puzzles, a bunch of do-it-your-at-your-home do your kind of companies, uh, delivery, delivery shops, right? People flock to them, Bottom. And now they're concerned in the next two years when people kind of adjust, get out of the house, that they're never going to be used again, right? So their demand gone down. So you've got three giant groups of businesses that are trying to figure out where to go. And the mm. fourth one is companies that have both increased their demand during COVID and increased since. And for them, the demand is coming so fast that they kind of need this framework. Okay. So with that, how can you do this framing? Okay, Where can you go as a business? Right. And here's where the opportunity really lies. Okay. Mm. So the opportunity is, okay, you cannot maintain your status quo. That's number one. So let me let me kind of be very frank. Do not think that things are going to revert how it was two years ago. It's not. People have changed. You've changed. We've all changed. Okay. So what you can do as a business is there's three basic options. Okay, number one is you you basically create new products to tailor towards your current customers. So what do I mean there is... Your customers have adapted slowly, right, or changed a little bit. And so now you need to basically tailor your products better to them. So the easiest way of thinking about it is that restaurants deliver uh, all of a sudden had takeaway. Mm. Okay? Now, that was great for short term, but you need to think about long term, how to adjust for this. So, for example, Camilla, you know, the luxury boutique fashion retailer, for example, they realized that, that their, their mostly primarily female audience right, customers were interested in loungewear and activewear. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they cre- they followed those customers and created products directly to them, and they've had great success with that. Okay, so that's kind of bucket one. Okay, Op- oh, option one. Option two is you basically have the same products and you find new customers. Okay, and so what happens is here is there's there's two parts. One is you might be forced to do this. Okay, where you you basically don't have enough demand, so you got to cater to to uh, you got to find new new customers. Okay. And so what you can think about is like airlines at that point, right? Or airline demand went down, so they 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 changed their customers to cargo. On the other hand, there are companies that are doing very well and they can expand basically the same product they're selling, right? Into new customers. And companies like Shopify, which is one of the largest e-commerce websites. Mm-hmm. So basically they build the back end for for basically a lot of the e-commerce platforms. So they're from Canada. And what they did wonderfully during the during the pandemic was say, okay, we know that all sorts of businesses now need to come online, and so we're going to be your back the, the the provider for this, right? So we can sell our same product, but we can now amplify this and get customers we've never had before. And there's great quotes from their CEO, for example, you know, like dairy farmers, you know, all sorts of small businesses that never considered. Before going online, that all of a sudden, they're, they're, they can uh, find a target that way. Okay, So that's option two. And option three is basically developing new products for new customers. Okay, So this is kind of the most drastic, uh, but at the same time, could be the most rewarding. So they've got the big risk-reward situation going on. And what you can think about is there's opportunity forced. So when if your company is struggling, your your demand is not there from customers, people don't seem to like your products either. Okay, you're going to be forced to come up with new solutions. Okay? Another one is opportunity sensing. So you might know there's a product coming out, like, oh, wow, I think this is going to happen. So, for example, in my book, I talk about this startup firm in the U.S. called Happy Bond. And what they were is they started off as a, as a dog supplement company because the, the founder, who had this great scientific experience, said she wanted to help her dog skateboard again. <laughs> okay, So it's a fantastic line. And <laughs> what they realized is during the pandemic, wow, people are getting very attached to pets. We can make this be a giant firm, right? We can expand into different things. So they had this opportunity sensing. They pivoted from a one product firm that had a narrow target market to all of a sudden say, hey, we can go into pet food itself, okay? Oh, you know, there's this combination of people who are very interested in people wellness, right? They might be interested in dog products too. For their So they ended up getting in a partnership with Halle Berry's firm. Okay, right. <laughs> And they had a, several other examples, but the key was they what they talked about. It was they sensed this opportunity, and they were a startup, right? So they didn't have much resources. So they decided you know, the best option for us is to collaborate with firms, for example, the Halle Berry example. And what the founder mentioned, Anna Skoda mentioned in the book, is that firms were more willing to collaborate than they've ever been because of this change in customer behavior. So basically, kind of to recap it, as you as a firm, because customer behavior has changed, right? It provides you an opportunity unlike every other that you have this how, why, who, what, and uh, and where people are purchasing. This created customers to then try out new products like they've never done. And for you as a business to get to basically capitalize on this opportunity, think about those three options. You got new products, same customers, same products, new customers, and new products, new customers. And that, that's kind of your the way to frame, and that even helps you now with all the other turmoil that we're seeing. For example, you know there's there's a shock in prices, there's inflation concerns, there's the war going on right in Europe. and there's there's also shipping delays and, and the, all these other, various other components. So again, focus on your
0: customers and focus on those opportunities for growth. Mm. It must be difficult for some businesses. To Because I guess like when it comes to business and a, and a word that you mentioned before, one of the big, big words throughout the pandemic was pivot. So I'm just wondering, it, it must be difficult for businesses who have pivoted during the pandemic away from their core business to, you know, to either be able to comply with the rules or just to stay afloat. And you you mentioned restaurants doing takeaway, for example. Um, There's a lot of restaurants out there, maybe, you know, fine dining restaurants who started selling things like cakes and lasagnas and frozen meals and all those sorts of things just to stay afloat. Now, these things presented them an opportunity during COVID and might have been really successful. We've seen some hospitality businesses be really successful pivoting to a sort of a home delivery style thing or meal kits or anything like that. However, still moving away from their core business is, do business owners face a difficult psychological challenge to perhaps shift away from where their values might have began and what their core business was at the start to recognizing these types of opportunities and following through with them. So that's a that's a huge challenge, right? Think about every business was basically someone's worked
1: tirelessly for it, right? It's their babies. They've been there all the time. They've worked in this. These are things that got them there, mm. right? And then COVID comes and boom, right? There's a big shock and everything's disrupted. So you're kind of scrambling around trying to find, find a path, right? And so my recommendation is, Instead of trying to come up with just policies on the fly, think about customer-centric policies because that's, that's what's going to lead you to the best path forward, okay? But, okay, so what's going to happen going forward is once you found something that, that, that worked well, okay, so you don't want to make it a short-term gain. And so, yes, you need short-term to survive in terms of your business, in terms of the finances, okay? But what you want to do with this is leverage this for the future. And so what do I mean is think about how to create these, like, loyalty, Okay loyalty is a huge issue, okay. so for example, the fine diner who's selling selling uh fancy cakes now right they have an opportunity to leverage this to have long term customers who keep buying their cakes for for every occasion right and so this goes back into this might have been they used to buy it at the grocery store, maybe buy it from bakery or wherever they used to buy it now all of a sudden you have customers interested in your your cake that you've never bought before right As a luxury as a luxury retailer restaurant and so what can you do is, is how do you get this loyalty, right? So you need to really understand your customers. It goes back to that. But what I, what I talk about in, in the book, what I propose is this, is this three principle, what I call the counter COVID framework, mm-hmm. okay? And so the first part is create emotional connections. And that's really what this loyalty is driving at, okay? And so you're creating this, uh, this emotional connections based off of really connecting with that customer, Okay. And so why is this important? There's two, two reasons. So during the pandemic, you know, customers started freaking out a little bit, having safety concerns. So we were all a little emotionally vulnerable. And so being able to connect with a company would, would, would help, right? It's, it's just emotionally satisfying. And I'll talk about why in a minute. And the second part is when customers have been purchasing online a lot or in this in and out of a store behavior, they've lost that connection to you as a company as well. Right, so when they find something else that's very comparable, they they have no problem leaving you. Right? There's not that oh man, I feel bad for you know whoever at that store. Mm. Okay, so so what do you do, right? So you need to basically have that those connections. So how do you do this? Well, you tell your story. Share share your story as a business. For small businesses, it's very easy. So about, so that skateboard example. So the, sorry, the Happy Bond Dog Company, a startup company, it's talking about how she created the the company to help her, her dog skateboard again, is such a powerful connection. You can just imagine this dog skateboarding, right? <laughs> it talks about her scientific expertise, how she was on a mission. And the third part is you just kind of have that nice feeling, mm-hmm. right? And that can be our dog, right? And so, so creating that emotional connection through your stories. And, people, and companies can easily share their stories throughout as long as it's in a relevant way. You don't want to
0: overpush it, okay? But this is, this is one of the key factors to go forward. Tell us a bit about, I mean, I want to talk about your book because I'm fascinated. The book is called The Post-Pandemic Business Playbook. Tell us about the process of research because I understand you've done so much research in terms of interviews different types of academic research and all sorts of case studies tell us a bit about the work that went into putting this together
1: sure and so it started off as basically a, a mission by me and it, it started in April 2020 where companies were were struggling and I thought you know what i have this expertise I have I have research on customer centering methods this, I'm not a doctor. I can't help the health wise, right? So maybe there's a way to help businesses. So it started, as I joke, as a you know a five-page paper that appeared in a couple of popular magazines, such as Forbes, uh, around the world. And it spawned into a 200-page book <laughs> because I wanted to really get down and really get into those details, actionable recommendations for firms. So what ends up happening in the book, there's about 10 profile slash case studies ranging from uh, businesses such as Covermore Group, so the one of the leading travel insurance in the world, Camilla, as I mentioned uh, a little bit earlier, uh, who's a luxury retailer, to things like nonprofits or companies in... Uh, I have a company in India, for example, that is in a developing country who is struggling trying to deal with, with different different situations. So that was one aspect. Another is we, I conducted about 50 or so interviews um, with with customers and businesses from over 20 countries. And then on top of that, I was able to using, you know, media reports, you know, like, fortunately, there was a lot out there um, from over a, a thousand or so, hun- I should say, hundreds of so best best practices, but also you could see worst practices from six different continents. And the final thing was, there's been a whole history of academic research. So, over, uh, so I was able to leverage looking at over a thousand papers that way. And so in combination of those three, th- those different sources, right, um, trying to th- make things easier for the reader, but also just trying to develop uh, a framework that's, so I use this kind of the, the research to justify the recommendations. Okay? And so one of the biggest takeaways was, again, this is opportunity unlike others. But the other one is this everyday interaction. So you need to use these customer-centric methods to, to change how, how, you behave, how you interact with customers. And so that's where this counter-COVID framework came from. So it co- consists of three different things. One, create emotional connections. Two, demonstrating value. And three,
0: enhancing your digital footprint. Mm. okay Um, we will soon start wrapping up but I'm interested to draw on your experience and your expertise what do you think some of the biggest changes most enduring changes most perhaps alarming changes we will see when it comes to post-COVID consumer behaviour like I mean I think things that come to mind for me a remote work is is here to stay or some form of hybrid work which has drastically changed the landscape of work and i'm sure it's something that you talk about um but what are some other other places where other places strategies that businesses might be implementing or things that you'll see as the most enduring consumer behavior changes and also business changes uh you know as we as we finish this covid pandemic and and sort of return to some form of normalcy. Sure.
1: And so yeah, I agree that work from home is a huge difference, right? People have gotten used to it and not everyone wants to go back. And so that shifts the paradigm again where your where your locations of where you're making these purchases. Okay? And the other one with it is that because COVID changed our what we were purchasing, we've we've changed what we focus on. So I have quotes in the book from from people from multiple countries saying that like, things I used to think were important now I've now decided they're frivolous and I don't even I'm not interested in it anymore and other things such as I say food I'm now upgrading upskilling buying more premium because I find that rewarding so those are things that are going to contain or sorry be maintained and be consistent going forward and so with that so the so back to what what is a, in it for you as a business so one is that creating emotional connections second is demonstrating value so. As much as we, we you know, hope that the, the recession is over and, and, for, and just in pure economic terms, it is, it's been a very case-shaped recovery, mm. meaning the rich have gotten kind of richer, or, and I shouldn't say just rich, but m- many of us have gotten richer, and many of us have also gotten much worse. And in either, even if you got worse or did better, your what you purchased, what you spent on has changed. So for many things, you've decided to adopt the purchasing and say, okay, if, if, if it shows me value... I'll buy it. If not, I'm not. And so that's one of the things that as businesses have to shift is this demonstrating value, right? So it's not that we're not wanting to purchase. It's got to be valuable for me emotionally or financially to to do it. And this goes for businesses when they make these purchases as well. And the third one is because of this work from home behavior, because we were all kind of hesitant at the beginning to to go meet people in person, for example, for sales meetings or go to stores. Digital, fo- the digital means has, has shot up, right? What do I mean is you as a business need to adjust. That Customers are basically, want, there's going to be always a segment who want, prefer to do things digitally. So what you should think about is, again, this is an opportunity, be proactive. What digital allows you to do is you can target customers in a way you were unable to before for relatively cheap. And so you can find certain customers, let's say, in certain who have certain interests, certain demographics, and really target them with different, different ads and saying, hey, we're here, we exist, and we have something that fulfills your needs. Okay, so there might be other products out there, but they don't really fit what you want and need. And here, we're getting you something that, that, that fulfills it even better. And so that's kind of the, the way to shape for the future is combining those, the, the counter COVID framework, where that creating emotional connections, demonstrating value, and enhancing your or expanding your digital footprint all at once is kind of is, is the best path.
0: Fantastic. I, uh, I've i learned so much and it's only been half an hour. Uh, I think that even, even going out there and sort of interacting with the business world, I'll start to probably notice a few of these different trends and a few of these adaptations and uh, businesses seizing on these types of opportunities as we go forward. It's been great. Ofer, thank you so much for joining me here on Think Business Futures. Thank you. It was great. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Think Business Futures. Thank you to my guest, Ofer Mintz. You can listen and share this chat wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe to get Think Business Futures in your feed each week. And please support the show by leaving a review. I'm your host, Stefan Posthumer, and I'll see you again somewhere in the world of business next week.